Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Well, the college basketball season is over, and Kansas is the national champion. Uh, A great game last night. Hate to see the season come to a close, the Final Four, especially that Duke-North Carolina game in the nightcap on Saturday night was great. And so many good memories, good storylines, and just kind of great to get back to a somewhat normal NCAA tournament. The tournament happened. There were no cancellations or postponements or teams that had to drop out. There was no bubble without all the fanfare and the things that I think makes the Final Four such a great destination and such a great trip for so many. And even if you're at home like me watching on television last night, just a different environment when you've got the fans and the support and all the things that go along with the celebration of the national champion uh, that we saw last night. But I do want to say this, not to rain on Kansas's parade at all, because they had a great run in the NCAA tournament, a great Final Four, a great championship game effort to come back from a historic 15 points down at halftime. Uh, you can't take anything away from the players or the coaches for their performance in the tournament, especially when you go back and look at their schedule and think about some of their struggle struggles earlier in the season, uh, really around the mid-season point. It's been quite a finish for the Jayhawks and for Coach Bill Self, who I, I'm not the guy to judge coaches, but if you talk to people in the game, uh, people really think he is one of the best and maybe the best now as far as a strategy, uh, in-game coach uh, uh, with strategy now that Coach K uh, is is on the sideline and is retired. But I do want to say this about Kansas. What an interesting situation. Kansas wins the national championship, and there's obviously a clock that is unwinding to a looming situation for them with the NCAA and some potential fairly serious violations. And it was made for a TV moment. If you're really a college basketball fan and you really get into this stuff, it was a made-for-TV moment last night as the buzzer sounded and Bill Self wins and you see the staff hurrying to get the stage and the uh, bleachers or whatever, the risers set up so they can honor Kansas with the NCAA trophy. And I love to see Jim Nance up there going through all those formalities. But Mark Emmert, NCAA president, uh, going to present Coach Self with the NCAA men's basketball trophy and just an interesting interaction because you know there's no way that self likes Emmert and you know that Emmert obviously is involved in the investigation and knows all the particulars and perhaps what could be forthcoming for the Kansas program but I don't know if it was nerves I'm not saying at all it was on purpose but he, he presented the trophy to the Kansas City 
Jayhawks last night. Then he corrected himself, the Kansas University uh, Jayhawks last night. So I think a lot of people got a little giggle out of that. But a great game, uh, a great Final Four, and also hats off to North Carolina. And great to see Sean May on the bench when I was in high school. Sean was a great player at Bloomington North. And kind of a, a sidebar to seeing Sean, of course, that's Scott May's son, youngest son, um, a sidebar to him, I think it was his freshman year, uh, Sean walked through a glass door, uh, walked through something glass and got cut really bad all over. And so he was out of basketball and out of sports and out of a lot of activities for a period of time as he healed, and he gained some weight during that time. And he's a big boy if you saw him last night again. But over the course of his high school career, if you remember, I think really starting sophomore, but definitely junior year, he started to slim down, trim up, and he became a tremendous player. And it was a huge loss for IU at the time with the momentum they had recruiting back then when he committed to North Carolina uh, over the Hoosiers, given his father's connections in Bloomington and success as a former IU player. But neat to see him on the sideline. I kind of had some memories last night of uh, what a great player he was at Bloomington North uh, in our state. Kind of went back to that time. but uh, uh, And Jalen Coleman-Lands, another Indiana connection on the national championship roster for the Jayhawks. I think he had maybe a rebound and only played a handful of minutes for Kansas in the game last night. That dude has been in college forever, by the way. Uh, he has been, it seems, in college forever. We talk about uh, different players in the Big Ten that seems like they have been there forever. But uh, Lands, Coleman Lands, uh, who played at Cathedral, and then did he go to La Lamira? I can't even keep it straight. Uh, he's been everywhere. He's been, I shouldn't say everywhere, he's been there forever, it seems. So, uh, But he's a national champion. So a couple Indiana connections in the game last night. Also, when the game came to a close last night, uh, I saw somebody tweet out, I wonder if there will be any Indiana tied to the one shining moment montage that – always signals that college basketball season is officially closed. Uh, there wasn't that I saw any Indiana players or Trace Jackson Davis highlights from the Hoosiers' first four game, but uh, there was the Indiana cheerleaders, Cassidy Cerny and Nathan Paris, who Nathan I don't think has got a lot of the love from that lifting the cheerleader up to get the ball off the top of the goal when it was stuck in the arch of the goal. Uh, she got a NIL deal, a T-shirt deal. Uh, her name's been everywhere. Again, she was in the uh, video last night, the one shining moment. Nathan is a, a uh, somebody texted us into us on the Thornton's text line when it happened. He's a Christian Academy guy. So great to see uh, even a local connection uh, in one shining moment last night. I thought that was pretty cool. And the season is definitely over for me when one shining, shining moment ends and you look on Twitter or social media and you already see what I call way, 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 way too early rankings for the next college basketball season. It was one thing a number of years ago to take an early stab at who you thought the top 20 or 25 teams would be in the country for next season because there was some stability with rosters. You basically knew outside of a couple's that a couple folks that could be on the, uh, the line either way with NBA hopefuls, you kind of knew who was coming back and who wasn't. But the transfer portal has completely changed that. The NBA draft process where you can now declare, not take an agent, and still come back, that has changed and muddied the waters as far as being able. Just think about IU's roster right now. We'll talk about that here in a second. But there's no clue what's going to happen when you think about Trace 
in the NBA or Pro Bowl. When you think about race, does he want another year of co- collegiate basketball? When you think about Xavier Johnson, his issue over the weekend with the police, uh, there's no way to gauge the IU roster whatsoever right now. But you know the season's over when you get these way early rankings. And John Rothstein, who's on the CBS crew, uh, he has Indiana at number 16. Uh, his projected starting five for the Hoosiers next year is Xavier Johnson, and obviously that is completely up in the air. Tamar Bates in his starting lineup, that could you would think could be a real possibility. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino, he's got the freshman coming in and starting next year for the Hoosiers. And, of course, he's got Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis back for IU. No Jordan Geronimo in the starting lineup, of course, way too early to really get into that kind of stuff. But it is fun to look at, and it does signal that the season has officially ended. I saw in the Gary Parish CBS way early rankings, he's got IU at number 19 in the country. So at least as of this moment, if there's any takeaway from way early rankings for the 22-23 college basketball season is that if some things fall Indiana's way and if Trace Jackson Davis comes back and if uh, Xavier Johnson is able to finagle through his legal issues right now and make a return to IU next year and with Jalen hood Shafino and Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo there is some buzz around this Indiana team for next season and I think that's the momentum and that for listeners and IU diehard fans, that's what you take into the offseason. Uh, it's going to be fun to think about and talk about and break down the possibilities of what Indiana could look like for next season. But again, Indiana getting some love as it stands now with lots of question marks about the roster for next season, uh, getting some love from some of the national college basketball guys that are already taking a look at next season. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today. It's brought to you by Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, we've got more headlines coming up here in just a few moments. Later in the hour, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier will join. We'll recap the national championship game in the NCAA tournament with Mike when he joins us. We'll get into some IU stuff. I want to take a look at potential names in the transfer portal with Mike when he joins us. And then later in the hour, more IU stuff. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com is going to join us. It's officially recruiting season and AAU slash travel basketball slash shoe circuit basketball season. And we're going to get into some recruiting and some travel stuff with Mike when he joins us. And maybe even a little quick update on IU football as well when Peegs is with us later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. A couple reminders for you here right out of the gate. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. And I want to encourage, I know we have a lot of people that listen each and every day, whether it's live on the Big X or even as a podcast listener, put that number in your phone, just like you would a family member or a friend. Send us a text when you've got something on your mind about IU basketball or local sports. Send us a question for one of our guests today, 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Also, the Big X Sports Radio golf cards are ready 
for the 2022 season. The card features Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run, Valley View, and Christmas Lake in Santa Claus, Indiana. You can play these great courses for under $25 a round with the 2022 Big X Sports Radio Golf Card. Not a lot left. Call the uh, number here, 812-725-1457, 812-725-1457, or you can visit Big X Sports Radio com to get your 2022 Big X Sports Radio golf card today. And jumping back into headlines, uh, thinking ahead, uh, again, recruiting off-season travel basketball is here. That's going to dominate a lot of our thoughts as we navigate through the roster with Trace and Race and Xavier and so many other topics here as we get into off-season mode. But good news for IU basketball from a recruiting standpoint IU is in the top five for a player named Kwame Evans Jr., who is ranked basically unanimously as the number two player in the class of 2023. So a current junior getting ready to finish his junior year, get into his last summer of uh, travel basketball before entering his senior year. Kwame Brown is a big-time prospect, a point guard on the national level, and Indiana in the mix for him. He's six foot nine. Two, I said point guard, power forward. Six foot nine, two hundred pound power forward, uh, number two player in the class. And he's got a number of schools that he's hearing from, but offers uh, uh, from his main five at this point. He said Indiana, Auburn, Kentucky, Oregon, and UCLA. So good to see Indiana uh, and their coaching staff mentioned with such an elite prospect. Uh, he's on that Montverde team as well with Jalen hood Shafino. So you can bet that uh, hood Shafino could end up being a recruiter for this Indiana team uh, with some of his teammates there from the uh, Florida elite high school that just won the Geico national championship. Speaking of uh, Montverde down in Florida, uh, fun to watch them the last week or so in the Geico tournament. They finished the season as the number one ranked ESPN high school basketball team in the SC Next Top 25. So a big honor for them, but that's to be expected after you win such a big event like the uh, Geico tournament as well. But good news there for the Hoosiers with Kwame Brown. Also uh, future Hoosiers as well, C.J. Gunn, named to the Indiana All-Star team. Uh, we mentioned this yesterday. It broke late in the, the show on, on Monday. Brandon Northern of Silver Creek, the local connection for us in the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series later this summer. C.J. Gunn, a Hoosier connection. He was a Mr. Basketball finalist as well. Obviously, Mr. Basketball, Braden Smith from Westfield, will wear the number one, the coveted number one, in the Indiana All-Star Series coming up this summer. And interesting Fletcher Lawyer, who moved into the state this past year, uh, attended Homestead High School in Fort Wayne or right outside of Fort Wayne, a really good player. He's committed to Purdue. It's going to be a name that you hear for years to come. His brother played uh, for a while for Michigan State. Uh, he was second in voting for the Mr. Basketball Award. Uh, and that's impressive because he wasn't a household name in our state. Uh, he moved in, but he earned with the one season, or was it two seasons at Homestead, he earned the recognition of being a legit Mr. Basketball candidate and came in second. He declined uh, his opportunity to be on the All-Star team. So that's a real loss for the Indiana All-Star team. I hate to see that. I know sometime over the years, even going all the way back to Allen Henderson, 
when was that, in the early 90s? He declined his Indiana All-Star invitation, but he had a, a reason for an academic program, I think, that he was in. More recently, Mr. Uh, basketball Kyle Guy, he had to miss one of the games, maybe both of the games for Indiana one season because of a college deal where he had to get to Virginia by a certain date. So there have been players, even Mr. Basketball's, that occasionally miss. But normally there's a legitimate reason, and there could very well be with Fletcher Lawyer, but I just hope it's not because he didn't win Mr. Basketball and came in second place because Indiana has such a strong tradition of beating Kentucky and really dominating that series for the most part, and he would play a really big part in that opportunity. But Fletcher Lawyer not going to play uh, as things stand on the Indiana All-Star. So a 14-man team, Jalen Washington – Washington from up in Gary Hurt, he can't play. Lawyer elected not to play, so you're down to 12 uh, eligible players to get minutes in those games. But should be fun, an IU connection and gun. And, of course, congratulations again to uh, Brandon Northern of Silver Creek, a local connection in the game this upcoming summer. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. We'll recap the national championship game, the Final Four, and the NCAA tournament. We'll take a look at some names to know potentially in the transfer portal for this IU team. Stay with us here on a Tuesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Tuesday show. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you've got an off-season IU basketball question or topic you want me to bring up with Mike Schumann uh, or Mike Pegram a little bit later, just uh, send us a text. How about this, Mike? Uh, Doug Edert of uh, St. Peter's, I just saw, uh, has entered the transfer portal, a, a career just over 39% three-point shooter, and we know uh, what he did to help the Peacocks eliminate Purdue from the tournament. Uh, he could be a real shooter and a real uh, player to stir up the IU-Purdue rivalry uh, should Indiana be interested in him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure Purdue fans wouldn't be too excited about seeing him anymore, um, or Kentucky fans for that matter. He's probably you know, one of Indiana fans – of guys that are not on the IU roster, one of Indiana fans' biggest supporters after what, what he did to, to both teams. Um, probably, you know, uh, you know, you, di- you didn't go this far yet, but I, I think looking at transfer portal candidates, I think anybody that fits that resume, that, that has a background in, in being able to, to knock down shots over a, you know, lengthy period in a college career is going to be in high, high demand. I think that's, you know, what everybody's looking for. No question. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier dot com at daily underscore Hoosier on Twitter as well with me. And we'll get to transfer portal candidates potentially for IU uh, here in just a few moments. But I want to start with the game last night. Kansas wins a national championship 
over North Carolina, a fitting end to what I thought was a great season and a great NCAA tournament March Madness. Kansas with a historic comeback. I don't know about you, but knowing this Kansas team, just watching them here in recent games in the tournament, how they turned it on in the second half against Miami after being down six to them, uh, even down 15, and even as good as North Carolina played last night in the first half, and as hot of a team as North Carolina has been all March, I wasn't ready at all to count out Kansas at halftime, and I get the feeling that a lot of others weren't either. No, I wasn't either, and I suppose if the roles had been reversed and Carolina was, was down big, I probably wouldn't have been ready to count them out, which is probably easy to say in hindsight. You know, they're the two teams that made it that far. That means they've got some really good resolve and really good attributes about them. But, um, you know, any time you have a team that can get downhill so fast, that, that's what really impressed me about Kansas. They're, they've almost out – Michigan State at Michigan State with their ability to just turn a either a make or a miss into something going the other way before the defense even knows what hits them and I thought that was part of what got them going I thought they were just kind of slow and methodical in the first half and once they kind of committed to, to picking up the pace in the second half I, I also thought Carolina looked like they wore out a little bit but you know just watching those final four games collectively it just it left a big impression on me and it, this happened to me last year too just in terms of kind of the difference between those teams and, and the Big Ten in terms of tempo in terms of athleticism in terms of you know playmakers guys that can you know play out on the wings and get downhill and you know create either for themselves or others I, I feel like when you watch those games you, you start to realize you know why the Big Ten hasn't fared as well uh, in recent years in, in the NCAA tournament, and those are the reasons really why for me. All right, uh, I've got I've to ask this. I touched on this at the very open of the show, but obviously uh, we all know what Kansas has been accused of, and there's some big things looming with the NCAA. So a very odd moment last night with Dr. Emmert giving Coach Self the NCAA trophy. In fact, he uh, I think said, here you go, Kansas City Jayhaw Jayhawks, <laughs> and then had to correct himself, Kansas University Jayhawks. But that being said, LSU and think about other programs that have been named in the FBI documents or the legal documents out there, aren't we getting close to, and I, I say this for Louisville as well, aren't we getting close with Louisville and Kansas to where there should be some sort of announcement or some sort of penalties or some sort of resolution to all this, and Kansas wins an NCAA championship in early April, late April, May, this summer, won't we hear something on allegations? Yeah, that, that moment last night just kind of illustrated kind of the ineptitude of, of the NCAA. What what was it, two, three years ago that it first broke that they had, you know, multiple infractions at, at the highest level of infractions you could have, including, you know, directly uh, implicating Coach Self. And then you got, you know, Mark Emmert standing there handing the trophy over to Self with nothing having happened really over that span of time. Yeah, I've got the same question. You know, when, when, if ever, is something going to happen with that? It just, you know, the, the NCAA has allowed itself to be toothless. It's allowed itself to um, just move at a pace that almost makes these things irrelevant. I mean, there, we, we've seen this play out before, where 
people end up getting punished, you know, players, uh, administrators, sometimes even coaches that weren't even around when things happened. And, and so if that were to happen again, obviously Bill Self will still be there. Um, you mentioned Louisville. They, they kind of changed their staff altogether and their roster is completely overhauled. So it, 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 the NCAA just has to find a way to, to get more cadence and, um, more teeth around what they're trying to do. Otherwise it just becomes so awkward and uh, it becomes really hard to enforce because of the, the the whole notion of punishing people who weren't around. I mean, for, for a lot of Indiana's, you know, issues after Samson, that it was the same deal. It was, you know, everybody that was really impacted by that whole ordeal at IU really wasn't involved in any of it. So it's, it's just a strange process that, you know, it doesn't seem to be getting any better anytime fast. All right, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Mike, uh, back to the tournament, back to the championship and Final Four for just a moment. Uh, I know you're a, a hoop head from the Hoosier State. You love basketball at all levels, and you watch a lot of it. Uh, how do you rank this year's NCAA tournament uh, as opposed to some recent? I know maybe the pandemic throws things off the tournament postponed canceled one year and then last year played uh without fans and some of the the fanfare the hype that goes around it but how does this one rank in your book to other recent tournaments it's right up there but you know what i mean i've I've heard several people say this over the last few weeks that the tournament just never seems to to let you down there's there's always great storylines or there's always a cinderella or two i mean St. Peter's, going back to them, I mean, they really set the bar high in terms of Cinderella stories. Um, that that was definitely one of the highlights for me and I'm sure for a lot of people. You know, North Carolina being an eight seed and getting all the way to the championship game, and, and you know, that, that didn't feel fluky at all. I mean, they, they felt like, you know, watching them play, they, they had the talent to be there. So it just kind of shows you just uh, with those two examples, and there are many more, just the, the balance of college basketball. I think we've, we've, we're firmly in an era where, you know, the, the, you know there's, there's not any matchup of a, you know, a good mid-major and a good high-major where you just feel like you know where it's going to go. The, the balance in college basketball has really changed with, um, you know, young guys going to the NBA, veteran guys sticking around. Um, there's just there's so much uh, balance and parity in the game right now, and I, I think it's only going to make that, that tournament better and better as we go forward because really, as St. Peter's showed, anything can happen. So it, it's right up there, but, I mean, gosh, I'm getting old, and I can go back to, like, <laughs> NC State winning in, in the 80s, Villanova winning in the 80s. It, it feels like it's always been like this, but uh, to, to wrap it up, I mean, it, it just never it never fails. It never lets you down. There, there's always something exciting about it. One more comment on basketball, the college stuff in general, before we get to some IU-specific stuff because we've got some questions coming in and some other points I want to get to with you. But, you know, I feel like, and I don't know about you, Mike, but I feel like I focus so much on IU during the season and the Big Ten Conference as well, uh, and then really pay attention to Louisville and Kentucky, some of the other local programs in our area living here in southern Indiana that when I get to the NCAA tournament, once the Big Ten teams in Indiana eliminated or doesn't make it or whatever the case is, I kind of get reintroduced to other coaches and other conferences and other teams, even some of the Blue Bloods like Kansas. 
I just don't sit around on a Saturday afternoon and watch someone like Kansas. If there's a Big Ten game on, I'd rather watch Rutgers or Purdue or Ohio State or Michigan or someone like that. So the NCAA tournament for me, like you said, March never lets us down, and I agree with that. But the NCAA tournament for me, it's kind of once some of the the locals and the Big Ten teams are out, um, I'm kind of reintroduced to a whole nother realm of the game that I don't really pay much attention to during the regular season. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. I mean, after being a dad and a husband and 100% focused on Indiana and to a lesser extent that the Big Ten, my my time for everybody else in college basketball is very limited. Maybe, maybe that means I'm not as good as I should be at, at what I do, but um, I, I have the same experience in March and, and like I alluded to earlier, specifically watching the Final Four games. It, it's really eye-opening. It really gives you good perspective um, as you enter the next season on, on what's working and what isn't for not, not just Indiana, but for the big 10 as a whole. And, you know, I think the overarching theme for me was just tempo and, and, you know, skilled people on the wings to make plays. I mean, those are the kind of things that can always kind of bridge gaps. Um, You saw with North Carolina last night, sometimes those same guys that, that make plays out on the perimeter can be the ones that, that have an off night and, and kind of work against you at times. But, you know, you got to have shot makers. you got to have people that can create their own plays and create for others. And, and that was the, the, the main impression I took away after spending so much time watching Indiana and the Big Ten and then watching much more broadly college basketball the last month. All right, Mike, let's get into some IU stuff. Question from the Thornton's text line. Uh, what are the odds you would put on TJD returning to Indiana? Yeah, that, that's the, the big question now as we fully turn to the postseason. And, you know, I, I put together a summary of every player. I think it was Thursday I, I published that, kind of my thoughts on, on where they stand. At, and it hasn't really changed for, for him. I, I feel like it's a – 50-50 proposition, which is probably better than, than most people thought, better than what I would have told you a few weeks ago. Um, I, I'd be stunned if he doesn't put his name in the draft um, just to get the feedback. I, I think, you know, if I were advising him, that's certainly what I would tell him to do. Um, but I think the feedback is going to be pretty straightforward. I mean, we we all know he's athletic enough to play in the league. Um and I thought he made, you know, it wasn't like a sea change, but I thought he made nice progress with his right hand. It just all comes down to his jump shot, and that's nothing that's, you know, revolutionary to say. We we all know that, and, um, you know, he, he he's still reluctant to shoot, um, and part of that's because he's a good team player. Like, he, he knows that he can get to the rim, he can make a high impact in the paint, so he – He's, he's doing that in part because that's where his, his best chance is, whereas he could choose to, you know, do more pick and pop, step out and take more shots and try to prove himself. But, it, you know, how much of that's his own lack of confidence, how much of that is being a good teammate, I'm not sure. But I, I feel like that's what it all comes down to. He's going to get feedback. He's probably going to get invited to the combine. He's going to have a chance to you know, both show and hear about what he needs to improve and, and probably, you know, get some workouts out in, in front of people where, you know, he could have a good shooting day and who knows what could happen. So, but the other side of it with him 
is, you know, completely different from a year ago in his decision-making process. Last year, it was all a new coach, you know, feedback from an NBA guy like Woodson, you know, here's what you need to do. It, it resonated. He stayed. This year, he's kind of got, got that understanding already, but he also, you know, he's 22 years old. He has to, you know, he's got a tight window for career earnings as a professional basketball player, wherever that may be. But he's got the name, image, and likeness aspect of it that he didn't have a year ago that enters the mix. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not aware of any opportunities for him that, that match what he could make as an NBA player. But if you talk about what he can make in the G League or overseas, uh, I think name, image, and likeness has the potential to, to compete with that. So it's just another variable that, that goes into to the decision-making process and helps to get him to that you know, 50-50 range because he can sit there and look at it and say, well, you know, I could come back. I could make good money as a college player. I could work my way, you know, into the first round of the NBA draft and, and completely change my my career path by, by staying another year. So it, it's a really fascinating change for him over the last year. All right, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Mike, you've been doing a great job profiling some of the names that could make sense for IU that are currently entered in the NCAA transfer portal. And I know fans want to read what you write. People love to hear about potential recruits or prospects from the portal, but it's so hard to speak with any confidence other than the the prospect themselves confirming that Indiana has reached out to them because Indiana really doesn't know their needs yet. They can reach out and try to get some groundwork out of the way with guys that are in the portal but until Trace and Race and we know more about Xavier Johnson and potentially others, it's hard to know what direction to go. Shooting uh, someone that can consistently uh, and has proven in their college career they can shoot it, that obviously is a big need. But there could be a need for size or there could not be a need for size. But one player you profiled recently is a Moorhead State player, Johnny Broom, who just recently entered the portal. And I think I saw where Kentucky even going to maybe get involved with him and a host of other names and schools. But uh, tell us about Broom. Yeah, a little bit like Jackson Davis, in my opinion, a six-nine lefty who doesn't really shoot the ball out on the perimeter, but but who is very efficient in the paint. is a really really high level shot blocker, averaged almost four block shots a game. Admittedly, in the OVC, but still, that's if you're doing that anywhere in Division One, you've got a unique skill there. Um, really high level rebounder as well, averaged a double double this year for Moorhead State. Um, in very high demand. I, he had a very impressive list of, of people reach out just yesterday. He just put his name in the portal yesterday. So, you know, I, I think your initial point there is spot on. Like, I, I think what Indiana is doing with most of these names that you see, like Broom, is kind of just putting their, their name in the ring, making sure people know that they're interested, um, but, but not necessarily saying, hey, we got a spot for you right now because it's just too hard to know. It's such a delicate dance right now for them with trace with race um those two specifically as you think about their front court needs you know if if both were to leave they'd have a a massive void but if both were to stay they they would not necessarily need much of anything when you add in duncan and geronimo so it, it it's it's I, I'm anxious for the the next chance to talk to to the, to Mike Woods and just to kind of get his impressions on how you go about handling this because it's not 
uh, it's way more art than, than science in terms of how you do it because it's it's not clear. You know, for some of these Indiana players, they they don't even have a great feel on, on what they're going to do because there, there's too many variables. Like you know, TJD has a great shoot, shooting workout in a couple of weeks, and you know everything you thought you knew changed. So it, it's it's a fascinating time, but but I think that's what's going on for the most part. I'm trying not to overemphasize names that I see or hear that, that, you know, don't seem like they're anything more than just a phone call. Um, you know, guys like Broom, guys like Sean McNeil, West Virginia seem a little bit more legitimate. And if, and if in fact the need arises, but I, I think we're just at that stage where Indiana, Indiana has seven guys on scholarship right now that, you know, very well all could be back, next year but none of them have said that definitively yeah talking with mike schumann of the daily hoosier mike i know this is going to come up in the next segment when peaks joins the show for more on iu basketball uh, and get into some recruiting stuff with him but xavier johnson we learned a little bit more i think when the police report was uh was released by the bloomington police officer that was involved in the arrest he was speeding at a very high rate of speed down walnut street uh, in the heart of Bloomington, and it just doesn't sound good, the optics there and, and what he's being accused of. Just just not a situation if you're any student or especially an IU basketball player uh, you want to get yourself involved in. Any thoughts on that and where that could lead uh, with what Mike Woodson and decisions he'll have to make, or is it still too early to even have any clue which direction things could go for X? Yeah, real hard to know the, the direction of it, um, other than, you know, it's it's kind of, it seems pretty black and white in terms of what happened. Any Anytime something like this happens, there's always, you know, two sides to a story, but it's, you know, a car going at a high rate of speed through town, it, you know, probably isn't, there's probably not too much debate on what went on. Um, it, it's just unfortunate. I mean, Xavier Johnson is, is a good guy it's not but he he has a history of, of making some questionable decisions and you know he's kind of put Woodson and the staff in a tough spot um it, it's hard to know how exactly this is going to play out I mean it's very serious offenses what what he did in terms of you know the, the legal side of it these one of them is actually a felony so um there, there's a lot of ramifications with that um so you know how 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 much what what he's done in the past, like you know the suspension he was part of that up at Northwestern in February. How, how does stuff like that play into how the staff and even the university looks at this? It's it's going to be an interesting thing, and it's it's unfortunate for for everybody involved. Uh, and as it relates to Johnson, I mean he everybody knows he turned the corner. He had a really great last third of the season, um, but you know things happen and I guess we'll see where this goes from here. All right, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, the dailyhoosier.com at daily underscore Hoosier on Twitter. Always good stuff when uh, Mike is with us. And uh, Mike, the only thing sad about today is college basketball. The season is ended. We've got a long way to go until we get back to college hoops and I'm going to miss it so very much. Yeah, but the great news is we've got both Adidas and Under Armour coming up to Indianapolis this weekend, so we just turn the page and and move forward. Absolutely going to be fun. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier. Mike, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Have a great one. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with our final segment, Mike Pegram of Pegs.com. It's IU Basketball Overload on Tuesdays. 
with Schumann and Pegram back-to-back. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back with you on this Tuesday program. Mike Pegram of Peegs.com, at Peegs. That's P-E-E-G-S on Twitter. Uh, a real resource for all things IU. He's with us Tuesdays. Mike, uh, IU very, very, very early getting some love for next college basketball season. I saw John Rothstein has the Hoosiers at number 16, and Gary Parrish of CBS Sports has IU, I think, at number 19. Uh, fun to look at, fun to read, fun to think about. Glad IU's getting some mention, but I'm not even sure with the transfer portal these days how you can even halfway put together a way early ranking for next season at this date. Yeah, it means a little bit less nowadays, especially at Indiana where you have a lot of pending decisions yet to be made among starters. So, you know, so it's, you know, but the fact that we're, we're into, you know, April 5th or so, and and we haven't had guys like Ray Thompson and, and, and Trace Jackson Davis, uh, announced that they're not coming back is good news for Indiana, and and uh, that and that several other guys are coming back is already out there. So uh, it, there's a, there's some optimism about next year already. Let's talk about a time frame for Trace and Race uh, specifically. Uh, I know there's a deadline coming up. What what a week week and a half away for Trace, where we feel pretty sure he's going to at least test the waters. Why would he not? It would even help him very likely if he comes back to Indiana to get that kind of advice and opportunity. But what are some reasonable time frames to think that with those guys we're going to know more? Uh, boy, this month I guess maybe maybe is an answer, but. Uh... A trace is, uh, has more options. He has has a longer timetable if he puts his name out there, and then he gets the feedback and so forth. And so that could go on a bit. But I think if you're going to transfer, you need to probably make a move here this month. All right, talking with Mike Pegram of Pigs. dot com. Question from the Thornton's text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Mike is Jordan Geronimo's best position for next season the three or the four spot? What are your thoughts on that question, Mike? Well, I think he's proven as a hybrid four. I don't know if he moves laterally well enough to be a great three. So I think his best position uh, is probably the four, but I think if some in his camp or he would like to really play the three. Um, and that's his, that's his pro position probably. Uh, so it's, it's a complicating factor with a lot of players that they would like to play a little bit, maybe one position up from where they're, you know, really physically able to guard. But uh, I, my, my opinion is he's better as a hybrid four because he rebounds and defends so well. Could Geronimo maybe be holding in place to find out what happens with some of the other front court minutes like TJD and race? Yeah, I think there is some of that going on. And therefore, if somebody leaves, it actually increases the chances that maybe somebody else stays or something like that. So to the point, we don't have a 
complete uh, departure of those three guys. Where I think I think you're referring to Jordan, Grace, and Trace. Sure, gotcha. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com. Mike, you have been around this program um, covering it from a media perspective as long as anyone that I know. Uh, you've you've seen some good moments uh, on and off the court. You've seen some bad moments as well. Uh, take us through this Xavier Johnson situation that arose over the weekend, Saturday night into Sunday morning. How serious do you think this is based on what we know, the police report that now I guess a portion of it, maybe all of it's available? And uh, uh, how do you how do you think this uh, could weigh as far as Xavier's future uh, at IU? Boy, that's a loaded question, man. Um <laughs> If he had a gun in my head, I'd say he'd be back. Um, but the fact, I mean, it, I can't tell exactly where he was caught speeding because that makes a big difference um, a little bit in my head versus because, uh, you know, Walnut, how it goes up to 69 there. There's a little bit easier to get going fast in a certain areas. But, boy, trying to switch drivers and all that, that is pretty that's, – that's, that's not minor at all. And uh, I don't think we'll ever have to – be, uh, I mean, you know, they mentioned felony. I don't think it'll be that in the end of the day, but he's also was part of that Northwestern group that was suspended. Um, you know, I, it could go either way, but I expect him, I would say, if he comes to my head, I would say he's back. Interesting. Mike, Mike Woodson has some interesting decisions and moments ahead here in this offseason. Uh, also, save this one for you, Mike, recruiting Kwame uh, Evans, uh, a 2023 standout number two in the country in a lot of the rankings that are out there. He announced recently that I use it as top five. He's got a ton of schools after him and a lot of the good ones, but uh, IU hanging in there with Auburn, Kentucky, Oregon, and UCLA. Yeah, that talked to him before about his Indiana interest, and it does sound very genuine. Uh, he's um, possibly an Oregon lean. There's a little bit of a Nike thing going on there, but uh, he is uh, – probably going to take a visit to Indiana, which allows them to, to really put their best foot forward and have a chance. He's, I'm not sure he's the number two player in the country. That kind of good, but he is with the doctor ordered a 6'10", 6'11", shot blocker who can run the floor, who can hit a jumper. There's a lot of positives. All right, Mike, uh, i got to get back in the rumor mill here for just a moment. Okay. <laughs> Thad Mata uh, headed to Butler. A couple questions around that. First, do you think as he fills out a staff that Dane Fife could be a possibility to latch on there? Well, I think it's a possibility, but I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, you know, there's been enough time maybe to really hear something of the substance, but, uh, you know, he's definitely qualified – obviously for that role but he didn't have a lot of history with that before coming to indiana back coming back to indiana and in then that, that year we, they had, we just finished uh, i don't know i've not heard anything definite that that's going to happen but uh they do have enough history that uh that could go that direction and one other question about coach mata uh with him getting back in the game that opens yeah. up this associate uh uh, AD position for men's basketball. Will that be a position that Indiana keeps, that Indiana needs, that can aid Mike Woodson, or was that something set up specifically for Thad? I think it was more for Thad um, and the transition that Mike Woodson kind of had. I would be surprised if somebody is out there it's worth four hundred some thousand dollars to be paid for that role. You know what I mean? Um, 
I don't think there is somebody like that, but uh, and and to go that direction, I I, I kind of questioned it at the beginning. I think it made sense for a year. That's actually how it's worked out. So um, the contract was actually much longer, um, but I, I just think it was more of a transition um, to have somebody who's been around the game, and uh, it has worked out to just a year. Absolutely, Mike Pegram, Peaks.com, with us on Tuesdays. Mike, we've got a long off season ahead to talk recruiting and more. Thanks for being with us. All right, we'll talk to you next week. That's going to wrap things up for this Tuesday edition of the program. Back with you Wednesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.